live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys, Aitzid Weinstein and Naor Mininger. Three months ago, it was announced that one of Israel's most popular television shows in recent years, Fauda, was acquired by Netflix for worldwide distribution. Fauda tells the story of Doron, a member of an undercover unit who disguise themselves as Arabs and conduct undercover operations, anti-terror operations in the West Bank. With us today is Avi Sakharov, uh, analyst for Middle Eastern issues at Wala News and the Times of Israel. And he's the co-creator of Fauda together with Leo Raz. Hello, Avi. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. good. Amazing timing because today there was an article in the New York, New York Times, right? Right. right. Uh, that says great things about the show, about Netflix for having such shows. And it, it is a remarkable thing, right? It is. It is. If you had told me um, three years ago, two years ago. Yes. Closer to the mic, please. Uh, that this is what had become, would become from Fauda. I would say that you probably took the wrong pill that morning. Uh-huh. Um, but that was completely unex- unexpected. We didn't see it coming. After, I mean, after all the no's that we got from the Israeli TV networks, for us it was a huge surprise that suddenly one of the networks said yes, and by mistake or by accident was yes network, not by accident, but uh, they said yes. And for us, the biggest surprise was that it really succeeded in Israel and now in the whole world. I mean, to wake up this morning and to get this uh, email from a friend of mine that sent me a link to New York Times and you open up the New York Times and suddenly you see that your TV show is on the critics list and not that it's criticizing it and butchering and killing it, but the opposite is saying great things about the TV show and saying it's better than the American TV shows. Yeah, like the road from your thoughts and your ideas through the block of the pencil and the, the paper ending there in the New York Times. It's a nice little circle. It is, it is. Uh, but then again, you know, I, I from time to time I, I get myself to think about it, but usually I don't because even if I would think about it, I wouldn't think <laughs> that this is really what happened to this TV show. Right. So what is Fauda? What does it mean? The name in Arabic it means chaos, and uh, you know many people ask us uh, why did you choose the word or the name Fauda? For me, Fauda was a kind of a second word, really. I mean, as someone who covered the West Bank and Gaza Strip for so many years, especially during the years of the Second Intifada, it was a kind of uh, the average situation wherever I would go, whether it was in Gaza or in the West Bank, you would see people with guns. No Palestinian authority, no Palestinian police or security forces, just people, crazy people with guns. And they were the so-called law and order. They were the ones that were making decisions for everyone. So kind of militia. No cowboys. Cowboys, militias, whatever you want to call them. I call it fauda. I call hmm. it chaos. Meaning th- there's no law and order. Then again, there's only people with guns and they are the ones to decide whether there's a, a strike today or not, whether you go to school or not. Whether you can cross the street or not. Or whether you live or not. Exactly. And this is for the average Palestinian was the kind of living for between the years of 2001 till 2006, 7, till it changed and there was more normal life. Now, the other, the other meaning of Fauda is by the undercover unit soldiers uh, that use this phrase Fauda in order to describe a specific situation in which they are covered, meaning that the local population find out that they are Jews, that they are soldiers, that they are undercover fighters. Mm -hmm. And when the locals are closing down on them Mm -hmm. and almost lynching them, this is when they report Fauda, Fauda, Fauda on the walkie-talkie. Which kind of breaks their cover and then just tells everybody to to react to common rescue us yeah yeah and so th- i think that was mentioned in the in the series which makes me wonder how much uh of the show is is real like how much would you say is a is an accurate representation of of the situation on the ground so let's start with saying that every episode each and every episode starts with a kind of uh 
um, announcement, mm-hmm. written announcement saying that everything is complete imaginary. Well, we know that this is. <laughs> so let's you start. Kastach, kastach, as you say in Hebrew, which <laughs> yeah. means covering your ass. <laughs> totally. So if someone from the military censorship will ask me, yeah. hey, this is 100% censorship. I mean, this is fiction. 100% fiction. Total out of my crazy imag- imagination and Leo's imagination. Uh-huh. Um, so Two people who just so happen to have a lot of encounters with that area. Luckily, you know, this, crazy imagination, you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah no, but luckily, so. the sensor is not listening to podcasts. Yeah. So but let's assume good. for just one second that <laughs> okay. we're talking about another TV show. And the other TV show is pretty close to reality. I cannot say, in, you know, I cannot say it's 50-50. I cannot say it's 60-40. I would say that we wanted it to be as realistic as possible so of course part of it is fiction yes part of it is very realistic many of the stories that you had seen in in season one and many of the stories that you would see in season two and hopefully you would watch season two oh we are looking forward for it too. are based on um, realistic events on things that happen on stories that really happen more or less not exactly but we took almost everything and not, I mean, not we, but the other TV show took everything <laughs> from reality. Just without spoiling too much, for example, the thing that pops to the head most instantly. Um, uh, an undercover Jewish agent in the West Bank who falls in love with a Palestinian woman and has an affair spoiler with her. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It's in another TV show, it's not this TV <laughs> show. <laughs> but Is that something that ha- had happened? No. This one is uh, fiction this maybe one, it did happen and we don't know about it of course uh, but you know this is good drama yeah and yeah. when you create two camps let's say two kind of uh romeo and clans, juliet romeo and juliet this is the classic romeo and juliet you have a palestinian doctor you have uh, an israeli undercover warrior i mean this is the classic yep what happens with them in the, at the end or what happens with them in, sec- in second season, this is a completely different issue. Okay. But at the end, this is good drama. And you mm-hmm. want to create a good drama. You're not only telling the news here. I mean, hey, I do it for a living. Yeah. It's boring. But okay. sometimes you don't want to hear the, the news. You want to yeah. get the drama. Okay. But, I mean, there has to be an element of... I noticed that I'm speaking with my hands a lot. It's good, it's good. I I hope that, yeah. (laughs) No one sees, so it's No one sees, but we feel it. They'll feel it. Um, There must be, I mean, I'm saying there must be. I don't know if there is, but I wonder if there's an element of of human connection that happens between these operatives in the field. And because, I mean, if they're really going, I guess what I'm asking is how deep is their undercover? Like how, how... integrated do they become in this world do they actually make these real human connections ellie cohen style yeah or you know is it something where they can stay detached usually i would say usually they're not they're not making these kinds of human connections of course they do talk to people they do get to know some people but not more than that um in our tv show show we took it further Mm -hmm. and uh then again we wanted it to become more interesting because it's if it's only like detached, it's you don't have any kind of a sentiment, so yeah, there's no drama. Um, but let's just explain a little bit that uh, what these undercover people do they they mingle in crowds uh, amongst terrorists in order to collect intel, or what is their purpose? Maybe people don't understand exactly what's their job. So there are all kinds of different undercover units today that are operating on uh, Arab territory, whether it's in the West Bank or in other places, by the way. And there are all kinds of levels of how deep they're integrated into the local population. And that differs from one unit to the other. The average units that the the Israeli population aware of, know of, is the kind of uh, the IDF undercover units, the Duvdevan and others, or Yamas of uh, the border police, that they are integrated but on a limit scale into specific missions, not more than that, meaning in and out, in and out, not, not further than that. I can only assume that in the intelligence they have units that do integrate deeper and deeper than that. But the mission is usually to dismantle, to arrest, or even to kill 
terrorists that are trying to assimilate into the local population. Mm-hmm. And by being undercover, by assimilated into the local population, the terrorists, the bad guys, cannot notice that you're coming. Right. And these are people who usually, excuse me for saying that, but look like Arabs, talk Arabic, uh, Jews, Israelis who talk Arabic fluently and seamlessly. Right? Yeah, but that depends on, then again, the levels of how yeah. deep you need to, to mm-hmm. integrate. But I would say that, yes, most of them would look like Arabs, talk, pray, eat, etc. Everything. Yeah. So how, how did you guys come up with this idea? I mean, like, was it just you chilling together one day and we're like, oh, we should do a show? Uh, that was more or less the experience. Oh, really? Yeah, we met one day... Um, means somewhere over Ramallah and um, we thought of hey that's to the mic please this is something that you know we both of us had as a dream to write a TV show about this issue uh-huh and uh, we started to discuss this uh, then again in a kind of uh, by accident meeting and And both of us, we knew each other since we were 16. I mean, since I was 16, Dio was a bit older. And um, we met in Tel Aviv a few days later. Mm-hmm. And over there, we thought, hey, let's try it. I mean, what can be so bad about try at least to fulfill your dream? Mm-hmm. And yes, this was a dream. This was Leo's dream. This was my dream. To write a television series. To write about a that. TV show about the undercover uh, specifically specifically about. about the undercover units yes so I I mean I uh from what I've read I understand that Leo was in the unit himself or he was in some kind of undercover unit what what is your connection to... I forgot about my military experience I must ah, say okay I see um, <laughs> so I am focusing about the okay present. after the military though what was your experience with I'm over the West Bank I'm over Gaza all the time I'm talking to Palestinians I'm meeting Palestinians I'm this is my daily life uh-huh. I mean my daily life for the last 17 years were in and out in and out half of the time maybe not half of the time but then again I don't think that I know too many Israelis or I don't know who Israelis that know the Palestinian side as much as I know it yeah thoroughly um, very deeply and, very thoroughly and I spent so much time in the West Bank and I used to spend a lot of time in Gaza and where is this passion coming from in the first place um, you you have Arab uh, roots like the uh, Jewish Arab roots or yes definitely um, I think that the culture that I grew up into I grew up in Jerusalem and um, I, I would describe it as a kind of an Arab uh, culture. At the end, we listened to the same music, we had the same food, we the, the sound, the voices. Where is your family coming from? My family is half Kurdistan, half Kurdish, I mean, and half Bukharian. So, but mm-hmm. we were very much present in the Kurdish side, in Jerusalem, in Givat Shaul, mm-hmm. which looked like, you know, the... Kasaba. The, <laughs> the average Palestinian village okay. really I mean it's so much when I visit the West Bank and you know I get to villages so mine remi- so much reminds me of Givacha all the old Givacha all before it became ultra orthodox before it became the the industrial zone of Confenishering but before that it was like a village and the village right next to it before 1948 was Diryasin uh-huh so this is the whole trauma of the Palestinian trauma started in Where my family is from meaning Givacho and Diryasin were neighbors my mom is telling me stories about the day of Diryasin for, for yeah for our listeners Diryasin is where the massacre and and when was it big mm-hmm. massacre of 1948 48 actually yeah. started the Nakba started uh, mm-hmm. the big uh, runaway of the Palestinian refugees from uh, what was back then Palestine mm-hmm. and started the whole issue of uh, the right of return and the refugees everything started there yeah in the the neighboring village to give out children yeah and okay so I I want to ask you because the show r- represents things in a I guess not a stereotypical way not a way that you would imagine an Israeli show to represent this story um, I guess who who's the who's the protagonist in your eyes 
I mean, who is... Because there's it's 50-50. Let's just explain that it's 50-50, right? 50% more or less is the Jewish side yeah. is represented in the show and 50% the Palestinian side. Now, just imagine when we came to the network and we offered them <laughs> they a got TV a show. <laughs> yeah. A TV show based upon the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and you fall asleep immediately. Yes. <laughs> and then half of it is in Arabic or even more than half. Like, I, w- I wouldn't take it. Yeah. If I was the head of the network that, you know, these two crazy guys are coming and pitching, I would say, hell no. Like, <laughs> yeah. they, were, they were a bit more polite. They gave us coffee. They gave, uh, gave us some cookies. And then they said no. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> when was it, by the way? 2010. Uh-huh. So seven years ago already. Yeah. So you started writing it probably... No, no, back then. 2010. Okay. We came with a synopsis. Ah, synopsis. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. came with a... Okay. Name. And um, so this is why I totally understand the, the negative um, reaction that we got, the negative answer. But I think that what we try to do is really showing the complexity of this conflict. We try to show both sides. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's awkward to hear that in the current political situation in Israel, that some Israeli... I don't know how to call us, but uh, um, former, yeah, current thugs and former um, people that uh, served in the IDF in combat units Uh and uh, call themselves Zionists are trying to show both sides of the conflict. Now, I'm an Israeli. I'm a Zionist. I served in the Israeli army, like I said, like I mentioned, blah, 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 combat unit, whatever. But knowing the other side... It makes you understand that there's always two sides of the coin. You cannot show only the black and white. You cannot... I mean, this is 50 shades or more than that. 100 shades of gray. Yeah. If you're talking about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And this is what we try to show here. And I think that for each and every one that saw the show, he got confused. He didn't get... He didn't finish watching the show with answers. He got confused about who's the bad guy, who's Mm -hmm. the good guy. Like, how come that the good guy is behaving like that? And how come that the bad guy is suddenly so nice? Mm Mm-hmm. And as a journalist, when you get to see the other side, when you get to see the, the Palestinian side, the terrorists, the bad guys, the guys that are shooting Israelis and killing Jews, mm-hmm. and you get to see that even them, they have kind of a different face. They have kids, they have wives, they have girlfriends. But isn't it dangerous to, to humanize the, you know, the, like, if, granted, you, if you come to, if you decide that, okay, this is wrong, right terrorism is wrong whatever the other side the actions that they're taking are wrong if you have if you set that as maybe that maybe you can argue whether or not that's our you know starting point but if that is then it's isn't it dangerous to humanize the other side in which sense dangerous in the sense that when you start humanizing the other side then you start accepting it and then I, i don't think that it's accepting it you know it might make you think and i don't think mm -hmm. that thinking is a bad thing I think that it's positive. It's positive for everyone try to think about what's going on on the other side. And at the end of the day, it's not that we're saying, hey, this is good, this is great, go ahead and blow up people. Not at all. Mm-hmm. We're just saying, look, it's complex. Mm-hmm. And even when you talk about the devil, the devil has some human has aspect. Heart. Okay, but yeah. excuse me for the cliche. I know it's a cliche. But would they have done a show like this about no. us? No, man, I don't care. I really don't care. I'm sure that Hamas won't start a, the opposite. We knew that they started a show. I forgot the name of the show, but they had a show. Hamas Kill all the show. Jews. <laughs> not totally, not exactly. But uh, in late the, sh- the Jews. No, okay. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, we're paraphrasing. But it was a kind of a, a thing that just showed the other side. The, the Jews, the Israelis are so bad. Like, they're the worst ever. Yeah. This is not interesting. And we need to add to that. And then again, we're talking about politics and politics and journalism and blah and reality. But at the end, we did hear a drama. Mm-hmm. And when you want to create a drama, you need to make the, the bad guy a good guy. Yeah, You true. cannot make your, you know, the better the villain, the, the better the movie. Oh, well, that's an, it's like a new thing, the, the <sighs> anti-hero. Like, no. I mean, it depends. Not so new, but I mean, it's you can make new it in the past villain. couple no, of decades. I think you're younger than me yeah no, absolutely <laughs> but you probably know the godfather yeah the godfather is a 
criminal. Like uh-huh. he's the head of the mob. He's killing people. Yeah. He's stealing people's money. He's dealing with everything, including everything. Yeah, and you love true. him. Yeah. You like... He's so cute. Yeah. 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 Al Pacino, come on. Like, yeah. and so it's not all about the Godfather only. Think about... Macbeth. Heat. Think about Heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, who was the bad guy in Heat? Was it Al Pacino or Robert De Niro? I don't remember for a second. Like, we, we love them both. Think about whatever. Yeah, even bad. Like, even Batman. Yeah. Even Batman was the Joker. You kind of like the Joker. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's this tendency to play with fire. I mean, you know, fire is alluring. We want to kind of deal with what's dangerous. But I, you mentioned that, you know, with journalism and all. Isn't this kind of uh, creating a drama? I mean... Isn't that kind of like the antithesis to what a journalist is? You know what I mean? Like your life as a journalist is to tell the truth and to show the truth. And then all of a sudden you have to come here and tell and make up a bunch of stories. Or in so other words, you're a journalist. You're a journalist. Yeah. Why drama? I mean, that's a total different occupation. It is. And it's good. And it's um, versatility. And I like it not being only a journalist, but suddenly become a creator, suddenly... create things you know what i envied since i began since i began being a journalist i envied the writers i wrote two books but about wars not <laughs> not sexy not n- no not romance <laughs> not something fiction and i always envied the people that wrote books from their imagination but why because this is a real creation i don't create i follow up the news you know if something is done something was made i find out even about good stories i report about them but it's not me creating you know my yeah. craziest story ever as a journalist was the biggest drama that i could imagine and i couldn't imagine it by the, by the way reality in the biggest story that i ever published was much bigger than something that i could imagine this is the story of the green prince son of hamas hmm. the the yeah. son of the leader of hamas that was my yeah, story truth is stranger than fiction yeah totally yeah. and i remember there was a documentary the, about him also there was a documentary and one day there will be a fiction there will be a, a feature what I'm is sure. the story in two sentences so that we fill the audience that the son of uh, the leader of hamas in the west bank was an israeli agent for 10 years and was giving the israeli intelligence everything including everything about his dad and about hamas and i was the one that published it and you know what when the green prince when mossab came to me and told me the story and said you can publish it now I didn't want to publish it because I didn't believe him. Like, I, I thought that it was too crazy to be true. I mean, <laughs> if I would come to you and write a TV show about a kind of a story like that. You say you it's not say, reliable. This guy is totally nuts. Like, this is not reliable. And please, next. Yeah. And sometimes reality is much stronger than the drama. So what, what how did you... But still I mean, you weren't f- satisfied. I wanted to create something for my heart and for my brain. And I really wanted it out because even when you get there, when you walk around the streets of Nablus, for example, mm-hmm. even when you get to sit down with the Hamas archi-terrorists or with the Fatah wanted terrorists and you listen to their stories and you, you see the nuances and you see what they do and the way that they act and the way that they smoke cigarettes, these are things that you cannot really report in the news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's so interesting about the way that they smoke a cigarette, about the way that they sing... A love song or the way that, you know, when you sit in, in the office of a PA official, okay, Palestinian Authority official, they have a kind of a red bottom that they push and someone comes really fast into the room and brings them whatever they want to. Like, bring me coffee, boom, red bottom, bring me tea, bring me cigarette. Bring... These are things that no one will be interested in reading them in the news. Mm-hmm. But when you do it on TV... If you remember, the head of the preventative security force in Fauda had a kind of a red bottom that he pushed and then suddenly someone comes in. Mm-hmm. This is what I Brings did with... Brings to life creation of... Yes. Yeah. This is how we brought reality into the fiction. Wow. You want a beer, by the way? <laughs> no, I'm okay. good with the excellent coffee oh, that you, you did. Did you yeah. hear it, the Pepe? Yeah. <laughs> We got to send him this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um... Okay, but, but then, okay, so you had this passion, but with this passion, was there a message that you wanted to convey? Was there something, you said the audience finish, finishes watching uh, with the, more the season with questions, but wasn't there something you wanted to put out there? Of course, look. Which is? 
first of all, then again, and I'm sorry to be so dull, but we wanted to create a, a good drama. Did I think about messages? Maybe at the bottom of my heart, maybe at the bottom of my brain, somewhere deep, deep, deep inside, I had something in mind. And this something was, then again, complexity. No black and white. No David and Goliaths. Everyone are good, everyone are bad. But this is something that, you know, It's a little slowly... bit simplistic, though, because you feel pain as you watch it. Wasn't there pain involved for you guys when you wrote it? Look, I'll give you an example. Third episode or second episode, you get to know a woman, a bartender, a beautiful bartender, and she's the girlfriend of one of the uh, warriors of the undercover soldiers. You know that we based her character upon a real uh, woman, a girl, that was killed in a um, terrorist attack in 1990. That was, in real life, Lior's girlfriend, hmm. Iris. I don't think he mentioned it ever. In no, he did. He did? He did. he did, yes. And Iris was 19 when she was killed. Lior was around the same age. Mm -hmm. And for Lior, for example, that was a kind of um, catharsis to talk about it, to write about it, to discuss Iris. To, you know, for years, he didn't discuss it. He didn't talk about Iris. And when we brought it, when we wrote The script, yes, suddenly, boom. So is this involve pain? Yes, it does. For me to experience some of the things that were there in the show, it was like being there again. For me, you know, two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, I was under a lynch attempt outside of Ramallah, a fauda. A real father, when people, 20, 30 undercover people were trying to lynch me, for me it was Undercover? Not undercover, sorry. Uh, 20, hostiles. 30 people, uh, masked people, masked. I mean, that were trying to lynch me. Yeah. And uh, What were the circumstances of that? As a journalist, I came there as a, as a journalist. Like you uh, always do. Yeah, always. And uh, they found out that I was an Israeli. There was no problem about that. But then some one of them said... He's an Israeli intelligence. He's an mm -hmm. Shin Bet guy. And just like that, in the seconds, I was surrounded. It's that so, easy. It's like wildfire. Meaning yeah, they just yeah, say... Look, this is flip. a demonstration. This is a mob at the end of the day. This is not a, a group of uh, intelligent, nice guys. It's a, it's a mob. It's people yeah. that don't think. So, yes, it involved a lot of issues, a lot of pain, a lot of so, uh, things that we wanted to bring out of our chest. So was it was it was it therapeutic? <laughs> Did you guys save a lot of money on therapy <laughs> by <laughs> writing? Totally. Yeah. I think so. I think that for both of us, finishing writing the first season was kind of closing down the circle. Um, healing therapy, healing process. Um, for me, I'm in another place than I used to be three years ago, and I'm sure that for Leo, the same. Um, in a way. The, it, it, I cannot call it the passion, but the opposite, kind of uh, the energy, the It's anger. a sugar drop. It's, kind of, it's not only a sugar drop, but something that you held inside you and was burning and burning and burning. Then it was out. Yeah. And suddenly, okay, we can come down now and breathe. So how does but that you, affect... Sorry. You still stand by the disclaimer that none of it is real. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, of none course. of it is real. <laughs> okay, but with that, how do you come approach the second season? It, it must affect uh, the writing of the second season so profoundly. So how do you deal with that? I go back to the same old places in order to um, kind of... Uh, Recreate. Re recreate the same situations, more or less, of course, and new situations that, uh, you know, I got to know through the, the last three years that all of us got to hear and know in the last three years. For example, ISIS. This is something that wasn't there three years ago. And yeah. suddenly, boom, it's part of the reality. It's part of the, the things that you need to encounter or to deal with when you write a TV show that deals with Palestinians, radical Islamists, etc., Do, do we have a date for the second season? Is Two Nice Jewish Boys maybe going to be the first one to get the scoop? And no <laughs> specific date, but around December. 
Ah, okay. Yeah. Around released December. Well, it's Netflix, right? So like everything no. comes out at once. Netflix the second season be... won't be on Netflix. It is. It will course, be on Netflix immediately. Yeah. Before yeah. Israel. Maybe a week after. Uh huh. Are, are, are they going to produce it like any other Netflix show? Meaning all all at once? Yeah. Ah, yeah. so it's all going up at once. But this time they help production also. They put money on production. And they bought it with a lot of money, I must say. Um, I cannot. Okay, you cannot elaborate. It's theirs. <laughs> like they're gonna do it's now. It's a Netflix you... original <laughs> series. Yeah. On your back, I think I saw uh, the Netflix logo tattooed. <laughs> you're you're their property yeah. right now. You saw the DM- BMW outside. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so uh, once I mean now the the critical responses are the critics' responses are quite you know uh, praising of the show. Yeah. But was there a, was there a? <laughs> I'm laughing because. <laughs> Uh, you know it, it's a kind of uh it's a mystery for me really yeah. i mean we didn't expect that to come as yeah. much as we didn't expect people to watch it we thought you know leo's mom my mom his uh-huh. sister etc you'd have like 12 people in, a, totally. in one living room in, watching. including the, the kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> the baby the old baby that don't understand um but was there a fear involved like w- w- was it you know was it like, oh shit, what, what are people going to say? Or was it just like, because you didn't expect it to be so big, you, you didn't care? It's not that we didn't care. Of course we cared, but we were in a way fearless. Meaning, you know, because the, the expectations were so low. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, okay, so 12 people will watch it. And that's it. And they probably would like it. I mean, but we knew, you know what? We understood that, you know, maybe some parts of the, the Israeli population would watch it. But we understood that the right side, the right-wingers, radical right-wingers will hate it. La Familia. The left-wingers would hate it. And what happened, you know, this is when I get to the critics. We were thinking that, you know, the day after the first episode would be aired, so we will have uh, Israel Ayom criticizing killing us. Makorishon killing us. Israel Ayom, it's the Netanyahu's newspaper. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you can't define it. <laughs> it's Netanyahu's newspaper. Makorishon, it's the settlers. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. And then we have Haaretz newspaper that uh-huh. we thought that would slaughter us for and portraying. They, they all love the show. Uh-huh. And when we read the first critics writing in Israel Ayom and Makorishon and Haaretz and uh, Hey, we did something wrong. I mean, <laughs> something went wrong here. How come that they glorify and say it's great, it's great, it's great? And this is what happened to me this morning. Really, I open up like the the, the link and I see in New York Times. What's going on? Like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but as you watched it on the editing room, didn't you say to yourself, like, we're, we have a gold mine? I didn't think about a gold mine. Then again, because I thought, I thought when I saw the... the Rushes, the... Yeah. Um, I thought that it's very strong, very, very strong. But because it was so strong, and I remember that I showed it to a friend of mine, people were saying, few friends, it's great, but people are going to kill you. Yeah. Simple as that. You know... The New York Times depicted something really interesting because to me, as uh, we're both uh, filmmakers and we studied film, and um, it was, as I watched it, it blew my mind because people maybe don't realize, but they don't make so many action genre here in Israel and cinema at all, also in TV. So by itself, it's very rare. And then those who do it usually fail. I don't know why, but usually it comes off as... Almost slapsticky. Action, action movies, they you feel like they require a huge budget. Yeah. You know, to get all the special effects. And and they depicted it very beautifully, I think, in the article in the New York I Times. I think that the director, Asaf Bernstein, of first season, and I, I'm really sorry, but he's not going to continue with us for second season. Um, he has a kind of a Hollywood uh, film that he's making, so he couldn't do it. Good excuse. Yeah. Um, but he did an amazing job. Amazing job. He, the cameraman... Wow. And not really. with much resource. Not with much resource. Yes. And it's funny. It looks... Really. I mean, the fact is that we, we shot it in Kfar Qasim, Kfar Qasim. Mm-hmm. An Arab and, village. Yeah, an Arab village. And so many developments and so many things that were there on the ground just played on our behalf. Meaning, you know, we had a 
suddenly they were shooting a scene in the street and suddenly you had a cart with a donkey and uh, a herd of sheep crossing the street and it makes you feel so authentic you know you have sheep and everything in the in the and the flags because in the municipality elections at Kufur Qasem the Islamic movement won so it's green flags and it looks exactly like Hamas's flags mm-hmm. so we didn't even need to, to put a flag <laughs> saved it so much money there. on art yeah and then again you know it's money 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 yeah so, so we I, couldn't use different cars for example yeah, there's only one car and we said to the production listen it's not real but hey they don't have enough money yeah. are you worried that maybe the the this new influx of money from netflix is maybe gonna yeah black mirror no. black no, mirror no. syndrome no by the way it's not not at all because the, the budget remained the same ah, okay second season more. Are, okay. you, are you guys staying on as the head writers yeah of course yeah okay yeah it's exciting It's really exciting. So, so yes, so to me it was mind-blowing because it is done so beautifully. And they write on the New York Times that the chases seem so authentic, so simplified in a way, but in a good way. It feels like almost a documentary and how it is done really in the field. So that's a great achievement, I think, and what makes it so thrilling and exciting. That was, that was the aim. And this is why we insisted, for example, that only, only Arabs would play Arabs. Yes. Only Jews would play Jews. Do you have non-actors also? Or all, yeah. everyone are yeah, actors? Yeah, but not, not as... Uh, uh, more like... Uh, little roles, little l- cameos. Very small roles, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but the main roles are actors. Mm-hmm. Arabs, Jews... Which bring, uh, brings us... Well, how, how did you uh, actually decide to... Like, how, how did the decision for Leo to play the main character come about? I think that uh, right from the beginning, what we had in mind was Leo was the main character. Is he an actor before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he learned from the best, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, he was the bodyguard of Schwarzenegger. And Leo was for years an actor, but uh-huh. he wasn't that successful. I mean, he played in many of the TV shows in Israel, but small roles. Mm-hmm. And then he served in kind of uh, an elite unit in the Israeli army. So he had a perfect background and he had the skills and he had, he's a very good player, mm-hmm. actor. And, uh, you know, Yes wanted him to do an audition and he did audition uh, against uh, other actors. Really? Yeah. But he, did he come into it sort of as like, I want this or more as like, I'll, I'll try, but, you know, I no, no, ultimately came, want the best. He came all the way. I want it and ah, I'm yeah. going to get it. Yeah. It's even an extra therapy. Yeah. Totally. Writing. Yeah, 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 totally. And then again, when we wrote it together, and then again, we were a group of writers. It wasn't just us. Mm-hmm. We were the creators. We came with the ideas, but we had a group of people that really supported us, and that was Moshe Zonder and Lior Kamnitsky and Michal Aviram and Asaf Beiser, and all of us really surrounded us and gave us the facilities to create such a good uh, so how show. Did that, how does that look? Because, I mean, I know slightly what a... What a um The showroom in in an American television series would look like but how does it look like here in Israel that that uh, I that don't setting? know how the room in the US looks like but I would imagine that this is a kind of a classic uh, writers room meaning mm-hmm. you sit down Borekas. storming <laughs> yeah Borekas. but storming around all kinds of ideas and then you know we try to be as realistic as possible and we try to think about what's the best drama and then you The script writers are getting into the discussion and I'm saying this would be better this is to improve the character this is what's going to change the face of the the episode blah 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 etc etc and all of us in a kind of a brainstorming brings together a result and I'm sure that it, if it would have been only us it, uh-huh. it wouldn't be that good and but I'm sure that if it would be only script writers it would look completely different but uh, I'm saying the actual like practically speaking do, at the end of that session do you say okay you're gonna write these two episodes you're gonna write these two episodes yes you, you divvy them up between the writers yes yeah okay yes. and each one is on specific episodes. more or less yes uh, and what about the Arab actors because they are have roles not easy roles for Arab uh, not at all not, not at, at all. all because it's quite controversial quite criticizing um, so how did you did you have problems because I know for example I made a film a uh, short film and needed to cast a Nazi okay an Israeli to play a Nazi and many Israeli actors didn't want to play the Nazi they say 
I will never be able to act in any, any other place again. So I'm wondering if you had issues um, casting and then how did the Arab actors deal with it? We had issues, but they were so small, so minor, really, in one small role. You know what? Two, maybe, that's it. Out of all the different Arab actors, actually, we almost didn't have any problems at the end of the day. So it's really minor problems that were solved like that in, in a few days. Um, but then after it aired, did they have problems? Not at all. Nothing? Nothing. The opposite. They became so popular. Really? You know, everyone, all the, the actors that were involved in Fauda, just think about it, what happened to them, they became very very popular i mean the, also the amongst the arabs though yes 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 you know hisham suleiman who's the playing ahmad abu ahmad the panther he became so popular in israel and by the way he's playing now in kvodo a new tv show and he's playing uh, a captain in the israeli army aha uh-huh. yeah this is very interesting and before that he was he played in Bethlehem it's a movie he played also a wanted terrorist yeah so uh, suddenly you know after being a terrorist in a tv show and a feature now is a an idf captain <laughs> yes uh, in a new tv show it's the uh, fun of being an actor I yeah guess. this I is Hisham, by the way and he's a great actor and is amazing actor and when he got <clears throat> one day to kiryat arba which mm-hmm. is a settlement and it's not even a kind of a moderate settlement. It's a kind of a real right-wingers, even radical right-wingers. But when people saw him and noticed him, after the TV show was aired, they started to run at him like crazy in order to get his autograph. <laughs> this is Abu Ahmad, the terrorist. Yes. yes. And they wanted his autograph. Wow. So, and, but, 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 yeah, but the... Uh, again, what about the, the Gaza? What about the West Bank? Did, did people watch it? How did they react to I the Arab? I know that people did. Did you speak to Hamas, pe- people who watched yeah. it? Yeah, of course. What were their reactions to They liked it. Most of them liked it. Amazing. The non-official Hamas. Wait, really? You know. You're not joking? No, 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 no. When they spoke to me, mm-hmm. but again, not interviews, official interviews, not like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, off the record. Off the record. Mahmoud they Azhar, said, all, they all the guys. Said, um, no names, but okay. they said it's good. It's very good. Wow. They, one of them was telling me it's not 200% realistic. I said we didn't want it to be 200%, but he said it's very good. Wow. Hamas's official website was killing us, but in a good way. What do <laughs> I mean about that? They wrote about us a few articles criticizing us for being pro-Zionist, pro-Jews, pro-Israelis, whatever. They said that we're trying to win Hamas in the cinema field after uh, failing to win them in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. They... They said that we were trying to damage the image of Sheikh Ibrahim Hamed, the real terrorist that was responsible for killings of uh, dozens of Israelis during the former decade. And then after having said that, they put the link to the first episode of Fauda really? in YouTube. <laughs> yep. That's amazing. It is. That's as close as a compliment you'll get yeah. from them. Exactly. Like, that's for the record. We did what we have to say. We but, said it. But watch it, because it's but really funny. It. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, but the show also has quite a bit of Arabic. We, we spoke about that. Um, and... We, I saw that there was actually a spike in, in, in students that signed right. up for, for Arabic classes after the show. Look, because usually people don't hear Arabic on TV. And suddenly yeah. they listen to Arabic. And suddenly Arabic sounds romantic. I love mm-hmm. Arabic. You know, this is my second language. It's so romantic, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And suddenly people hear Arabic not in terms of uh, kill all the Jews, yes? Mm-hmm. But kind of... a. Uh, Love themes, love uh, love sentences, humor, humor. Of course, um, was it was it intended or was it just kind of a realistic approach? It's you know? a realistic approach. Come on, yeah. it's people. Yeah, the people of are, are eating, are breathing, are having, you know, making love, are having fun from time to time. Even the terrorists, even the terrorists are making jokes about uh, you know the the game that they watch on. Uh, yeah. 
the the things that they eat blah blah etc i feel like that's something you couldn't get away with here in israel because a lot of american films do that where they have you know a german speaking to a german in germany but they're talking english yeah and yeah. americans are like they're willing to sit back and be like oh yeah that makes sense in yeah. israel i feel like <laughs> no one would see an arab speaking to an arab in the palestinian territories and they by the way as, as as netflix bought it now it will be um dubbed It's dubbed, but not to Arabic. I mean, it's yeah, already happened. Yeah, but all the countries, all the dozens it's of countries, dubbed. it's going to be dubbed. It's going to so be also, dubbed? It's translated and dubbed, meaning you have the option of uh, listening it uh, dubbed or yeah. uh, watching it as is with subtitles. Yeah, but ah, usually okay. in Germany and Russia, they are used to watching dubbed uh, shows. That's so, so yeah. weird. Uh, so, so it's... Du- I agree it's, that it's Yeah, weird. it's a pity. Um, but... what what's the you said it was appraised by the praised by the critics but there must have been some critical reactions and i was wondering uh what is the most critical thing you've heard with which you might agree about the show no the the most this is then again this is the craziness of this I, we didn't have bad critics okay so what do you what do you critic about the show what do you where I, did you go wrong That's I a think... nice thing to be able to say, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's got to feel, you know, pretty nice. I know that, you know, we did an amazing job with the women characters on the Palestinian side. Mm-hmm. We, didn't do, we didn't do the same work um, on the Israeli side with uh-huh. women. Uh-huh. Women. Yeah. And then again, it's, it wasn't that easy because the two creators are men. The chief uh, uh, scriptwriter was a man. And also for the next season, uh, we had... Um, some partners of us uh, the, the, the script editor and the dialogue women you... but at the end it's very difficult to get into characters yeah. maybe you should bring Lena What... Dunham to the next uh... maybe what do yeah. you mean by we, we didn't do the women characters well meaning in depth yep. well rounded yep exactly exactly okay. I think that you know when you look at the Palestinian side the women over there were very interesting were rounded you inspiring you Even someone who plays a suicide attacker, a woman, she's interesting. Mm-hmm. She, it, she makes you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on the Israeli side, uh, we did some mistakes there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And hopefully it's going to be different for the second Amazing. Um, so let's just a little bit about the fact that you were sold to Netflix, which is crazy. Because Talk a little business. Yeah, a little business. Because, you know, uh, many describe the rec- in recent years there has been a peak in selling Israel selling TV content uh, to Hollywood. And they say it's like selling ice to the Eskimos. So <laughs> how did you sell this chunk of ice to the Eskimos? We didn't even approach the Eskimos. The Eskimos came to us. Simple as that. Um... We tried to sell the remake of Fauda uh-huh. in the U.S. We didn't manage. Till today, we didn't manage to do it. But uh, then Netflix came to us. Can you tell us how that went down? Did you just get a phone call one morning email. from like, hello, this is Netflix speaking? It's not us, of course, personally, but yeah. it's agents and agents and agents. I think, we, by the way, we had a very close agreement uh, with a very famous uh, scriptwriter that won Oscar. Uh, that wanted to make a remake out of it and in the last second for some reason he decided to give it up your loss Michael Bay um, and then one day uh, we had a phone call from yes and they said listen Netflix guys are not interested they're crazy about it they're enthusiastic about it they want it how were they exposed to it Do I think know? it's friends of friends of friends And uh, they got them convinced to come and see the, the show. Amazing. And we had one translated uh, with subtitles, one episode. And I think that they saw the first episode and, <gasps> oh, my God. And then, uh, yes, sent them the other episodes and they were completely hooked to it, completely. But by the way, it's, it, it happened to so many people, foreign people. Yeah, American, French that saw it and got, oh my God. Yeah. And I remember that, you know, one French producer that came to Israel to visit, she didn't hear about Fauda and she was in her hotel and she's a kind of a filmmaker. And then she said that the, the bellboy 
started to talk to her and blah 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 and she told her and he knew that she was a filmmaker and the bellboy told her listen there's a new tv show in israel you have to see it you have to see it and she saw it and she's totally into it and now we're negotiating with her by the way that's amazing yeah it's kind of like the success you saw with what was that that norwegian show was it or yeah the bridge the bridge bridge. yeah the bridge that got this worldwide coverage yeah Yeah. but we did sell lots if you if you compare it by capita we sell a crazy amount in recent years of of media of tv show formats which is amazing you're part of it you know homeland exactly this is one of the biggest success ever yeah treatment um but i think that at the end so something interesting is going on here yeah yeah, I, I, I think. think it's the daring. I think it's uh, the the way we think different, unique. You see it in the high tech. You see it now in in the movies and film and TV shows and blah blah blah. But I think you know. I, and I, also I, in podcasts. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think about how come, and I think that it's to dare to do something different. Then again, I think that if we would follow the exact script writing orders it wouldn't be that successful it's the way that we came and said no we need to make it different when we need to make it unique don't go about the regular script writing theme or Mm -hmm. the way that it is built build it differently Mm -hmm. yeah you see hollywood movies today and tv shows from america and it feels like they were written according to a template like you have the you know the opening scene, the classic opening scene and then they fail and then the kiss at the right moment and and even when they not fail it's a classic yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. I think that, you know, my aim when I talk to people that work with us on Fauda is think out of the box. Think originally. I know that what you have in mind as a, you know, you're a professional script writer. I know that you want to start blah, 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 the, the, the middle and then to finish the way that you finish. No, think different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy, by the way, to convince them to do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was fascinating and beautiful. We wish you guys and you, Avi, best of luck and Thank you. fruitful uh, creation process. Thank you. And guys just in the States, download uh, or buy yeah, Netflix. Buy Netflix and, and yeah. then consume it via Netflix. Yeah. And before we finish, we have two amazing corporations. Eitan? We're, uh, we have a corporation, a, co- a cooperation with the Jewish Journal of Greater Los Angeles, uh, which is great jewish news in the states guys check it out um and our podcast is up on their site and we're also doing a cooperation with secret tel aviv um which is a great um social network community here in israel a facebook group it's basically. a facebook group secret tel aviv it's like one hundred and fifty thousand strong yeah. uh great they have also a website uh, check them out. They have great recommendations for jobs, for yep. restaurants, for everything. And please share this episode. If you liked it, we're on iTunes. Uh, we have a website, which is www.2njb.com. And this was it. Avi, thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Watch Fauda, guys. You'll love it. Bye.